Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast to help you plug in at Quest both in person and online. Now, let's dive into this week's teaching. Good morning. How are you? That's good. Oh, you're talkative this morning. This is good. This is good. My name is Alana Guste. I stand five foot four. On the count of three, shout out your name so I know who you are. Ready? One, two, three. So good to meet you. Good to meet you. Tell the family I said hi. All right. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. It's uh, 2016. It's beautiful, right? It's a good year. No one's excited about the new year. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, you know, I, you know, we, we always come up with these New Year's resolutions, you know, when a new year comes around. And I remember in 2014, I decided that I was going to learn to shoot a gun. Um, I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts, inner city. Uh, you don't obsess over guns as us Ohioans do. Uh, when I first came here, I was really surprised. Like, kids were, you know, running around showing pictures of themselves, like, you know, carrying rifles and shooting with their dads and their moms and crossbows and whatever. And I'm going, in my, in my city, we didn't, we didn't do that. <laughs> like, guns, guns weren't like, you know, a cool thing to do. It was like, it was either a violent thing that you wanted to stay away from, um, or like, you know, something that you glorified in a rap song or something. And, and so it was different for me. And like, you know, people would say, hey, Alon, why don't you come out, you know, hunting with us and stuff? And I'd say, yeah, right. <laughs> I remember, I remember a certain accident by a guy who was friends with a, um, a, a, a statesman or a governor or something, and, and he got shot while he was out. Right? Anybody remember? Okay, cool. So I, I always say, no, I'm just not going to do that. And, and so one day I decided, my, my dad, my father-in-law, he, 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 uh, he got an AR-15. Anybody know what I'm talking about? AR-15? All right. It's, um, it's a big gun. It's, yeah. yeah. I felt like I was like the Terminator with that thing. And so I, I got it, and I'm shooting it. But before I shot it, uh, the guy next to me in the booth, we went to a shooting range. The guy next to me pulls out a Desert Eagle, right? Now, this is basically a hand cannon, okay? <laughs> and, and the only reason why I noticed is because when he shot it, I heard it, and it was loud. <laughs> and then I saw it. I literally, like, fire came out the side of the gun. And I was like, what was that? You know what I mean? It was crazy looking. And so I was like, oh, I guess my, you know, my turn. And so, you know, I'm like kind of doing this. And like, is this how you do this? And I'm, like, I mean, it was crazy, right? And, uh, and as you can see, that's actually, those are my shots. You see that? Um, let me explain the steps. You see the, you see the bullet holes like down towards the bottom? <laughs> those were my first shots. <laughs> and then my dad came over to me and said, Alon, you know, you gotta, you kinda gotta look where you're shooting. <laughs> you gotta kinda like look through the sight and aim for the target, Alon. You gotta aim for things, like, you know? And so I started doing that and I got better and I finally hit the middle after about the hundredth shot. I hit the middle. Go ahead and clap for that. I was, that was a big deal for me. You know? <laughs> it's a big deal. Um, and I won't show you the next one. My, my son, who is, uh, he's now 13, uh, he, he shot as well that AR-15, and he did way better. Uh, but, you know, this is my moment, so I'm not going to show you 
his moment. So, hey, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And so, you know, but, but it was, it's interesting that as I aimed and as I looked and as I saw, I put my sight on, I, I stared down a barrel, I aimed for the target, how much more accurate I was in my purpose with that AR-15. Um, I did not shoot the Desert Eagle, by the way, because that guy shot it and it was like going back and hitting him in the face. And so I decided not to try that. But that was safe enough for me. But, you know, you aim and you hit your target. You know, again, it's the New Year's 2016, and we're all thinking of new ways to live, right? You know, everybody has goals. Goals are great. And um, I, 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 amen, goals are great. Did someone say amen over here? All right, praise the Lord. Goals are great. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm watching on Facebook the different resolutions that are coming about. You know, it's the normal ones. You know, I want to lose weight. I want to exercise. I want to climb Mount Everest and uh, whatever. And one guy decided to put himself on Facebook and say, I want to be hated this year by wearing a Notre Dame shirt. <laughs> Jeremy, why would you do that? <laughs> why would you do that? And so, you know, we have these different goals for the year. We, we you know, we say things like, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. We have purpose for our lives. And that's awesome. That's great. And if you were here last year, I spoke on New Year's Eve. I don't know if you just think I'm a good motivational speaker, you know, like, <laughs> Live down by the van, down by the river. Like, you know, I don't know if that's why you always have me come only on New Year's, like, you know, weekend. But, but I want to motivate you, like I did last year, I want to motivate you towards things of Christ. I want to motivate you in your walk as a Christian. Um, and to set goals and to aim and a target, aim at a target for how to live as a follower of Jesus for the year 2016. Um, I, I, I've been reading First uh, Peter chapter 2, and I understand that you're going to do a, uh, in a, um, a series on First Peter uh, 2 verse, actually First Peter 3, but I want to hit on First Peter 2 and talk to you a little bit about what Peter was trying to do with the church um, through this letter. And so in First Peter 2, in verse 1, it says, Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, that you have, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And Peter continues and says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God um, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What is Peter talking about? Um, first, you've got to understand why Peter wrote this letter. Why did Peter write this letter? Uh, he's speaking first to uh, two people in his audience. He's, he's talking to those who have accepted the truth of the gospel. And those who have now said that there are, they are set apart for God. In other words, it's like he's saying, he's saying my audience is new believers and those who have been Christians since they're in an embryo. You know, like there's, there's in, anywhere in between. So if you are a follower of Jesus, Peter is writing this letter to encourage you. He's writing this letter to motivate you towards something. He wants you to aim for a certain target. And the target is this, is, is Christian doctrine, it's, it's Christian living. In other words, he's saying, look, this is who you are. You need to aim for who you are in Christ. And you need to live in a certain way that portrays who you are in Christ. 
And, he's, and as Jeremy was saying, and you're going to continue on, um, there's a reason for that. But I want to start right there in who you are and, and also in how you should live your life as a follower of Jesus. I'm a simple guy. I like simple things. And so when, when I feel like the scriptures are really like complicated, I always ask Jesus this question. I say, Jesus, would you please make it plain for me? Because I'm a simple dude. And, and honestly, I feel like as I read the scripture, that God reveals to me simple things. Simple things like, be a part of something bigger than yourself. Simple things like, do the stuff. If you're going to do anything this year, be a part of something bigger than yourself and do the stuff. And what do I mean by that? Let's, let's look into First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 1. I'm sorry, in verse 4. And it says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You know, Peter, in, in the two verses before, um, he lays out something. He starts with talking about identity and, and putting away things. He's like, therefore, and anytime someone starts a sentence with therefore, there's, there's something before that. Because you are a follower of Jesus, therefore, this is how you should live. And then he continues on, he talks about Jesus being this important living stone. This stone that is full of life. This stone that is important, is valued, is highly valued by God. God chose Jesus to be the person. He chose Jesus to be the one to come and to save human beings and, and to bring us closer to God, to give us um, a, a bridge to be built so that we can have relationship with God once again. And he starts off with this, and then he goes on and says, now you like living stones. You like living stones. You are also um, uh, to be part of this, this building that Jesus is doing. This building of something that's beautiful, this building of something that's great. What is he talking about? He's talking about the church. He's talking about the church, the holy uh, universal, the holy historical, the holy um, um, uh, worldwide church of God that is all across the world. Listen to this little black five foot four Haitian when I say the church is more than the walls, the ceiling, and the floors that you see around you. You are not coming to church. Yes, it's a building and it's got a name called Quest, but, but that's not all that the church is. The church is living. The church is you. Peter, Peter is saying, like, no longer is this just a localized deal. No longer is God's presence only in um, one spot on earth. He's saying, no, since you are the church, every time that someone comes to Christ, part of the church grows. And you are part of it, and it's living, and it's alive. Think about it. When we think about church like that, doesn't that sound way better than a dreary, oh, gosh, I got to get up and go to church at 9 o'clock. Oh, I got to. God, I got to worship. I got to sing. I hope they don't hear me. Like, you know, isn't it better than that when you think about church as something being alive? That means a couple of things. First is that you and I are not alone in our, in our walk of Christianity on this world. You and I are completely not alone. Look around you, friends. Stare. Go ahead. Look at that person. Don't look at me. Stop looking at me. Look at the people around you. Look at that person. Look at those people. Those are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And wherever they are, wherever you are, the church is. You are not alone. And why do I mention that? 
Because sometimes I think that we can actually feel like we are alone in this walk of Christ. Sometimes I think that we can feel because because of the waves that come at us when when we're living in this world, the the depths, the the craziness that happens at work, um, the the problems in our our marriages, the, the problems with our kids, the problems with friends, the problems with sin. We think that we're fighting this good fight alone. We're almost like Elijah when, when, uh, when God comes to him um, by wind and by fire and in, and in a whisper. And, Elijah, and God says, Elijah, what's going on? And Elijah's like, um, I feel like I'm alone. I'm the only one doing this thing. And God says, I got 10,000 more like you. You're not alone. Friend, I don't know what you faced in 2015. I don't know what you went through. I'm not God, and I'm not you. But I I know this. Whatever you faced in 2015, whatever you faced in the years before, whatever you're facing now, understand that you are not alone, that you go through it with God, and you go through it with the church. You can lean on the church. I, uh, in... 2000, I want to say early 2000s, like 2002, 2003, um, I needed to lean on a church. My uncle had passed away, and I was very upset about it. It shook my faith. You know, when something, you know, you, if something happens to you that shakes your faith, it, it, it's, a, it's a jarring thing, isn't it? I mean, when something happens and it blows your mind, and it makes you think, wow, I don't even know. If what I'm doing is real, this happened to me. I, I would pray for different people and I would see like God move in certain ways and then my uncle gets sick and I pray for him and he dies. It's hard. That's hard. And so I leaned on a church. And my brothers and my sisters around me, they came around and they encouraged me. People would get me coffee. He would ask me to go to lunch or go take a walk at Ennis or something. And people would call me and say, how are you doing today? What's, what's going on, Alon? How's your heart? And I leaned on a church. And I want to tell you that I'm very thankful for the worldwide church. I'm very thankful for my local church. Because without them, I don't think I would have made it through that hard time. What do you need to lean on a church for? What are you going through that you need to lean on a church for? I want to encourage you this morning to maybe just look at people around you, not as just someone who comes to a building with you, but someone that you can actually call on as a shoulder to lean on when you go through hard stuff. And so you're not alone. The other thing that it means is that the church is, is, is bigger than you think. It's bigger than you think. You know, I love, I love the fact that me, black guy, likes hip-hop, uh, uh, is into dancing, is into going to concerts. You know, I'm just a different guy, right? Is good friends with Jeremy Shelley, who is, I don't think, do you even listen to him? Huh? I don't listen to music. You don't listen to music at all. Like, you know, we're just two different people. But, but we've connected. I met this guy and I said, man, I want him to be my friend. And he's like, oh, I want him to be my friend. And we hang out. We go to coffee shops together. Literally, we take over Java Central. 
We just sit down and we drink coffee and we laugh. <laughs> we, we cry. <laughs> I mean, we, we talk about everything, right? And, and not only that, not only like we have this friendship, but we share ministry together. You know, I've asked Jeremy to come over to my youth group. Do you know what this guy did? He comes over and he teaches and he cooks bacon as he teaches. I mean, I, that, my whole like youth room smelled like bacon. Now, you can wrap anything in bacon and it's good. And I've, I've learned through Jeremy that you can wrap the Bible in bacon and it makes it good. And worship in bacon and it makes it good. Like, you know, this guy's amazing. I love this guy. And he invites me to come to his youth, uh, his youth, uh, camp this past summer and, and to speak and to come to Quest. And Ross, Ross asked me to come and to speak. Guess what? We're from two different churches, but one in the same. One and the same, the church is bigger than Quest. It's bigger than you. It's all over and across the world. And guess what? We need to learn to play together. We do. We need to learn to play together. To hang out together and be real together. Why? Because we are the same family. We are the same place. We're bigger than what we think. And that's a beautiful thing. And, you know... I remember, okay, so I'm from Vineyard, Columbus, and I remember um, in 2004, um, Rich Nathan said that we're going to connect with a completely different church than us. We're going to start being friends with a completely different church than us. And so we, um, at the time, were, was predominantly white. Like, we were predominant. You, you guys look at me weird when I talk about racial things. It's, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, it's a, it's a, it's, it was predominantly white. Like, honestly, I was like one of only two black pastors on on staff and it was like 30 of us <laughs> and whatnot it was awesome it was interesting and so and in this church that we connected with was down on refugee road um on the east side uh uh um sorry city do you know the name you're shaking your head like you know the name um timothy clark right correct Right, Timothy Clark Refuge Church down down on uh, east side of um, um, town. It was predominantly black, predominantly black, and so we came together at a table to like start building relationship with one another. Oh, it was interesting. Oh, it was. Oh, it was funny. Okay, so um, I've been, you know, I've I've been to predominantly black churches, and uh, and and one of the things that like we like to do is we like to dress up. And so, I mean, it was just a luncheon. And, like, these dudes came in with suits and hats and ties. And, you know, they had their cufflings and $100 watches and shoes that glimmered in the sun. And, you know, they walked in and they sat down. And it was like it was brother this and brother that and, and sister this and sister that. And here comes Vineyard. I mean, we walk in and I, you know, I didn't help them at all. I just, I didn't know. I came in with a hat to the side. My pants were sagging. You know, I had a big old shirt on, you know. I had a book bag and I looked like I was 12, even though I was like in my late 20s and whatever. And, and, you know, Rich comes in. He's wearing a flannel shirt and some jeans and everybody's jeans and t-shirt, flannel shirt and t-shirt. Or the, the, I love this about Vineyard. We wear Hawaiian shirts like it's nobody's business. All right, and so the Hawaiian shirts came out, and then it was me, <laughs> you know, with the hats inside. And we sat down, and we looked so different. But after about a couple of hours of getting to know each other, not only did we become good friends, 
But we planned to do an outreach together, and that outreach was awesome. It was awesome. When the body of Christ begins to come together, things happen. I want to challenge you. I challenge you to step out of your comfort zone and begin to start relationships, begin to befriend other people from other churches, especially those that don't look like you. They don't act like you. They don't sing like you. They don't pray like you. They don't do ministry like you. And I promise you that you begin to see things happen in our city. And so we are, we, we understand that the church is bigger. And lastly, lastly, I hope I didn't forget my point. That wouldn't have been good. That would not be good. Lastly, Paul, um, Peter hits on the fact that we are priests. He says in verse 5, he says, um, You also like living souls are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus due to stuff. You know, the Old Testament speaks of priests as, um, as a few select that would do the stuff. You know, they would, they would be the ones who prepare the offerings. They would be the ones who um, went into the presence of God. They would be the ones who served the community on a regular basis. You know, they did the stuff. And Peter got this revelation from Jesus when Jesus said, On this rock I will build my church. And Jesus lets Peter into something saying, no longer is it just going to be a select few. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you come and you, you come to me and you say, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, then I'm going to take you and I'm going to dub you into a new priesthood. And so everyone who comes to me gets to play. Everyone who comes to me gets to do the stuff. What stuff? Well, I guess you can categorize it into three things. One is... You get to be ready for God. You know, priests had immediate access to God. And they served God, like daily, personally. And so you and I, as priests, we have direct access to God. And we get to serve God on a regular basis, personally. In other words, we get to wait at attention. And for our commander-in-chief to tell us exactly what to do and when to do it. I drive for Uber. When I'm, I, I travel the country speaking, but when I'm home, I got to get out of the house. So I drive for Uber. <laughs> it's interesting, this Uber thing, because people get in the backseat of my car and they want to tell me their lives. I don't know what it is. I, maybe it's the smell of Febreze that I spray in there or something. But something goes on and everybody wants to tell me their lives. It's a cool thing. Um, and so um, this guy hops in the back of my car and uh, he's, he's from Canada. He's Indian. Um, but he lives in Canada, his family, his wife, and a couple of kids are there, but he's here in America making money so he can send it back. And he's frustrated. I picked him up at the airport, he's sweating, he's frustrated, he's mad, and he begins to all of a sudden just get in and share. I just say, how are you doing, sir? And he goes, man, today's rough, and boom, he just lets it all out. I'm tired of working hours and hours, and I miss my family. And he's like, he's like, I, I miss my kids. I, I don't want to do this kind of work anymore. I'm frustrated. And he's just mad. I was ready at attention. I was waiting for what God wanted to do. And I felt like God said, encourage him. So I did. I said, hey, man, I know exactly what you're talking about. When you work long hours 
and you feel like the only reason that you ever get up in the morning is to get the dollar bill. I understand. I get it. I understand the hardship of family. You know, in our culture, we, um, we feel like if we, we don't provide the things that other people have for their families, we feel like we're failing our family. I know what it's like to, to pull your hair out at night and, and wonder how you're going to make ends meet. I understand what it feels like when you and your spouse are arguing with each other to the point where you ask the question, why did I even get married to you? I understand. I said, but you know what? There's, there's a hope in my life, and it's really helped me out. And he said, what is it? And I said, you know, I don't want to freak you out or anything, but I'm a follower of Christ. And Jesus, man, if I didn't have Jesus in my life, everything would fall apart. I was like, what do you got in your life to help you not fall apart? And he kind of gave me this look like, nothing. I was like, well, maybe, maybe you should ask Jesus to help you out. He kind of gave me this look. And at this time, we get to the end of the stop. And he looks at me and he goes, I feel better. I don't feel so stressed right now. I just kind of chuckled. <laughs> like, it's because of Jesus. <laughs> you know? I was like, well, hey, man, I know you got to go, but if you want, take up that offer. Ask Jesus to help you and see what happens. He went to shut the door, and he opens the door again, and he's crying now. And he goes, I don't know what it is about you, but I just want to say thank you. You really encouraged me today. And he shut the door. You know, God wants to work around you all the time. He has things. He, God is like one of those giddy kids. You know, he's just sitting in his throne like, what can I do today? What can I do today? But here's the beautiful thing is that God doesn't want to move without you and I. He wants to use you and your family. He wants to use you at work. He wants to use you at college. He wants to use you at school. He wants to use you in your neighborhood to bring his kingdom more and more to interact with people around you. And if you're ready at attention, if you're waiting for God, if you're like, Lord, today, would you just please show me, would you reveal to me where you're working because I want to be giddy and play along with you? God will high five you literally and be like, get ready. Get ready. And I'm not saying the world's going to shake and you're going to start levitating up in the air and things. You know what I mean? But simple things like that was a simple conversation that happened that changed that man's life to that day. So we're ready at a church tension. The second thing is that we, we serve others. We serve others. You know, just like I did for that man, someone did for me. I remember I woke up, um, la- I think it was like last January or February, whatever, we had that big snowstorm. Remember that? Well, actually, a couple of them that were back to back, and it was just like, God, please, turn the faucet off. You remember that? Well, so um, I got up one day, and I was late going somewhere, and it snowed. And I looked outside, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I got to shovel my driveway. And I got mad. You ever just get mad over little things? I got mad. I was like, oh, my gosh, I got, can't believe it. I'm putting on my pants and buttoning up my shirt and whatever and putting it on my shoes. And, like, oh, my God. and I'm like, man, I'm going to wake up Quinn. Quinn, get up. Help daddy. And we go outside, we got our boots on, and, you know, we got our hats on or whatever, and I'm just angry holding my shovel like I hate snow. And I look at my driveway, and it's completely cleared. Completely cleared. My neighbor 
who I think is like 20 years older than me, got up early in the morning, saw that it snowed, and decided to shovel my driveway. He's a follower of Christ. He just, he, he just felt like I needed to help make your life a little easier today. I'm sure you didn't hear my thoughts or see my face that morning. I'm sure like God didn't say, do this because, man, if you don't, Alon's going to blow up the neighborhood. He didn't say that. He didn't, that's not what happened. He just got up and said, you know what? I want to serve someone today. I'm going to start simple, and I'm going to shovel my neighbor's driveway. How can you serve others around you in simple, practical ways? Is there a person at work that maybe needs a lunch? Maybe there's a friend at college who, during these holidays, just didn't have anyone to hang out with. And you can hang out with him this weekend. Maybe it's bringing a lot of coffee for the second service. <laughs> How can you serve others? You know, I bet you your church has millions of ways that you could serve. Am I right, Jeremy? Is there ways? There's, I bet you there's different ways. And I bet you if you asked around, you can actually step in to some serving areas of your church and begin to serve others. And why do we serve others? Not only just to help their day be a little easier, but it's to point people to God's goodness. Better believe that that morning when I was angry and upset because it snowed and I saw that my driveway was shoveled, better believe I remembered the goodness of God. I remember the goodness of God. And lastly, this last thing, and then we're, we're done. I think we have to go, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Last thing. Um, it means not only that we are ready at attention, it means not only that we serve others, but also means that we have something to give. We have something to give. You know, I, I learned this at a very young age, that every Christian has something to give as being part of the body of Christ. When I was uh, 14, I, I gave my life to Jesus. And the first thing my pastor did is he said, Alon, what do you like to do? And I said, I like rapping and dancing. And he said, okay, next week you're going to rap for worship. And I said, wow, really? Because the rapping I did, whew, you don't want that at worship. <laughs> I am not worshiping God when I'm rapping. <laughs> you know? And he's like, well, just write, write, write about how God changed your life. And I never forget it. I got up there and it was funny because, like, you know, I was like the youngest kid in the church, youngest person in the church, everybody else was like, you know, 30 years older than me. And I got up there and I was just like, my name's Alana Gustin and I'm here to say, I love Jesus Christ in the major. That wasn't my rap, I'm just making it up. I love Jesus Christ in the major way. And like people, I mean like, dude, people with oxygen tanks. I mean, it was awesome. We were worshiping God together. I had something to get, I'll never forget it. I learned at a very young age that everyone has something to give in a body of Christ. What do you have to give? Is it... Well, I won't go there. I wanted to be funny to say, is it your looks? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. But is it, is it something of value to you that you can give away? Is it material things? Is it finances? Is it time? Some of us, we got a lot of time on our hands. Is it time? Is it a gifting or a talent or a skill? What do you have that you can give? Because if you're going to be a priest in this new priestly order with Jesus, you need to give it away. And you need to give it away fast and large. 
Just keep pouring it out and giving it away to people and see what happens. I did that. I, I started with rapping. I started rapping that day. And I was like, I'm going to keep giving this gift away. This is what I have to give. It's one of the things that God has given me to give away. And I just noticed that whenever I did this, like things would happen. I remember I was down on a street corner in Boston. I'm 16 years old. I'm down on a street corner in Boston and now I'm rapping away. I mean, this guy is beatboxing behind me and I'm just, you know, just words, lyrics coming out. These two guys with big chains, I'll never forget it. The two guys, this is like in the 90s, all right? So you got to flash back, you know, we wore big clocks and it was weird. Okay, and so this guy, he's wearing, these two guys come in chains in this big coat. Come in and I'm telling you, these guys are like looking like they're about to cry. And I'm just trying to, t- I'm doing these words and telling people about Jesus, who Jesus is, as I'm rapping. This guy pulls out this big, square, white thing, and he lays it on a sidewalk. He takes off his chain and pulls off his chain, and he puts it on the ground. He drops to his knees, and he says, how do I know this Jesus that you're talking about? When you give away what you got, amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. You know, I travel, I travel the country now and I speak and I rap at different places. I've gotten, because I'm giving away my thing, God is like, dude, if you're going to give it away to this one, let me help you give it away to everybody. I've been in front of 28,000 people spinning on my head. It's a simple thing. I know people, I know you laugh, right? Because I look back and I'm laughing. I'm like 28,000 people and I'm spinning on my head encouraging people. I'm putting words together that rhyme and it's encouraging people. And God's like, you got more to give away? I'm like, dude, you made me put me in front of anybody and I'll speak and I'll share. I'll tell everybody, I'll tell the world, I'll use my gifts and talents to give away what you put inside of me. What do you have to give? What do you have to give? Maybe it's not a talent. Maybe it's not a skill. But maybe it's something. It's something. Let me touch earth for you. There's this, uh, there was this lady named Joy. We called her Mama Joy. When I first started doing small groups uh, uh, at my old church, um, Mama Joy asked me, can I be a part of your small group? And I looked at her and I was like, absolutely. She was about 60 years old. She walked with a limp. But when she spoke, oh man, Joy came out of her. I loved her name. It matched her. Joy. Joy had a really good knack of cooking hot wings. Mm. My, I believe my small group grew because of the ministry of joy. <laughs> she would come in with two big pans of hot wings and kids would come from everywhere. They'd come from everywhere to taste Mama Joy's hot wings. And they ate. And because they came, because they ate, their bellies were full, they actually were willing to listen. And lots of people came to Christ through our group. Lots of people were discipled in our group. And I honestly, every time I see Mama Joy, I tell her, God used you. She used, he used the simple skill of cooking to bring people to him. What is your gifting? What is your skill? You know, simply put, in 2016, we could do a lot of different things. But I honestly believe that the best thing that we could do is that we could see that we are part of something bigger And we could choose to do the stuff. Are you willing to do that? I'm going to ask you to do something and close your eyes just for a moment. And I'm going to invite the worship team up. Um, I'd you close your eyes for a moment. Just have a moment with the Lord.
And during this time, um, if this is new for you, you're like, huh, right, here we go with the church thing. Now yeah, just close their eyes because something magical is going to happen. No. I ask people to close their eyes because, you know, just not to be distracted. Just have a moment with the Lord. And right where you're at, maybe you'd like to ask just a couple of questions or allow the Lord to ask you a couple of questions. Maybe it's a question of, do you feel like you're alone? Do you feel like you're going through things alone? If you would answer yes to that, in the moment, um, I want to offer prayer for you. There's going to be elders and volunteers around the room, I believe, in the back to just pray for you. Because I, I really believe God wants you to know that you are not alone. That he is with you. And guess what? You got a worldwide historical family that's with you as well. And it's represented here. Maybe a question for you is, is God calling me to have a friendship with someone from another church? Is there someone that would bless my life and I would bless theirs? We would be encouraged. We would be sharpened. Maybe it's someone at work that you know of who's a follower of Christ, but they go to a different church and you've kind of just kept separate. Maybe it's a family member. Now, I would even challenge Quest leadership to think about, is there a possibility to reach across the table and connect with another part of the body of Christ? To do something like an outreach together or just even a simple meet and greet and get to know a part of another body of Christ, but if you as an individual, you feel that God is saying like, yeah, I I have something like that for you. There's something, someone that is in your life right now through a simple acquaintance or maybe even venturing out and checking out another part of the body of Christ, not to skip out on quests, but to just see that there's other people out there that you can build with and connect with. If that's you, I'm going to encourage you to get prayed. Ask God just to lead you in that. Maybe the question for you is, would you allow me as God to show you where I want to move this week? And maybe your answer is like, yeah, God, I want to, I want to see where you're moving. And I want to be a part. I, want, I just don't want to have stories, but I want to have experiences that build my faith. Show me that you're real, that moments to allow other people to see that you're real. I want you to use me to spread your kingdom. Or maybe for you, it's, it's, it's not a question, but a sense of like, yes, I, I want to serve. And yes, I have something to give. Maybe God showed you that as I was speaking. Like, yeah, you know what? Yours was this one, but me, this is, I have this to give away. 
to bring more people into God's kingdom and grow the church. If any of that pertains to you, can you do me a favor with your eyes closed or whatever and just being there without being distracted? Would you just throw your hand up in the air for me? And just raise your hand and just say as acknowledgement, like, yeah, that's me. I, I think one of those things pertains to me or maybe a few. Amen. So I see one. Anyone else? Yeah, there's another. There's some more. Amen. Anybody else? They're like, yeah, that's one of those things pertains to me. Or maybe a few. Or maybe all. I don't know what God's doing in your life. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to stand. And as we come into worship for our last song, if you raised your hand, there's going to be elders, and Jeremy's going to be back there, I believe, and volunteers, and I'll be back there in the back, I believe, in this corner, in this corner back here. Um, and I just ask you just to receive some prayer. It's good to respond, like, to what God is doing in your life. And it's good to see that other people want to encourage you in that. And so let us pray with you um, that God would move in that way in your life. I want to thank you so much for letting me speak to you today, and God bless you. And let's stand for worship. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest's podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.